Good afternoon, everyone. Um, welcome once again to uh, Ecclesia. Um, it's, I mean, I'll be honest to say this afternoon is with great trepidation and a great sense of responsibility that I stand here to share um, and to preach from this passage in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. That's in continuing our series on um, the 3D gospel. Um, let me see. You would recall um, last week, we began a series in the book of Titus, where uh, Pastor Ephraim introduced us to... <clears throat> The introduced us to the Apostle Paul and um, essentially highlighting for us uh, the great encouragement that we will receive even from this series. Um, the difficulty I just, I just mentioned now is this. I mean, there are some sermons that are really hard to preach, not because what's in the text is hard to comprehend or, or, or to follow, but it's for, in this case, how God sets very high standards for those who are involved in his work. I mean, add to this that those who are also involved in the work of God cannot lower the standard that God has set to make it suit ourselves. Um, I mean, just maybe to take the edge off this for me. Imagine you're in traffic and you've got your phone, all right? You're driving and it's on the hands-free thing, whatever, and you're just about to put your hand to it and out of the corner of your eyes, you can see yellow, blue, and the first three letters, P-O-L, <laughs> and you're at a standstill and you look just to be sure, okay, am I about to do something I shouldn't be doing? And you look, and your eyes lock. The police officer's looking at you too. And you can see them waving their fingers. Uh-uh, don't even touch that thing, you know? You know, you wouldn't even consider or dare. I mean, you stop right there and even probably try and feign like, oh, you were just reaching for something on the dashboard instead of the, instead of the phone. Now imagine this were the other way around. Of course, they have to operate some equipment in their, in their car. But the policeman driving instead is now reaching for his phone. I mean, I guess, just look, just even the, the, the thought of it is kind of inconceivable because here's the guy who's meant to be upholding the standards. Here's the guy who's meant to be upholding the law. You wouldn't expect to see that even in, um, in, in that instance. So, but <clears throat> as we, as we um, consider this, this section of the text today, um, it's, I mean, if we hear what is sometimes allowed or that's let slip in the church today, I mean, we should be concerned Concerned enough to listen in as Paul gives Titus this mission to appoint what I call gospel-driven church leaders in every city in Crete. I mean, it has implication for leaders who are still in ministry and for those who are not. It also has implications for those who follow them where they do not meet these standards for involvement in ministry. So... Um, but what we will see is that God ordains and appoints tried leadership to typify the Lord. That's for them to be examples of what it is to be, um, to be followers of Jesus Christ. And he also appoints them to teach sound doctrine, sound teaching, both by their actions and by their words. So you can understand my nervousness. <laughs> I mean, just a couple of days ago, I said to Pastor Eve, Eve, man, 
how do, how, how, do you, how do you tackle a passage like this? How do you handle a passage like this? I mean, yes, as usual with wise words of encouragement, but even in, in, in preparing for this, you realize that there is more to it than what the ears hear. But there's also a lot in what the eyes see. I mean, here is the disadvantage. But I think you will find that there's no disadvantage. We're all in the same boat. The disadvantage is that for those who lead, they're right there like goldfish in a bowl for everyone to see. Maybe in this, in this community there is um, that degree of privacy where, as is somewhat typical in this country, I can't just rock up and turn up at your door and say, hey, Yeli, Hannah, what's going on? Have you guys got anything to eat? I can't, I can't do that. We can't do that with one another to some extent. But um, that notwithstanding, our lives are somewhat more out there to see. For everyone to see. But we'll see why it's important for us to, you know, get what Paul is, is putting across the titles here uh, for the Cretan church. And I dare say applies even for us here in Ecclesia today. So look in and um, let's, pay let's pay careful attention to, think, to the things that Paul shares with and instructs Titus to do. Um, Personally, like I said, I've been challenged to see what God specifies in his search for new heads, as um, Paul reiterates what God directs Titus to do. Um, and at the same time, I'm glad that it's no other way because of the assurance that that gives to those who come to Jesus. Because get this, if we just decided, myself, Pastor Ree, Neil, Pastor Rob, to drop the standards today at Ecclesia and let anything go. Some of the things that we will see today, let those things just go as normal. Listen, it wouldn't take long for you to just stop, scratch your head and think, hmm, am I still in the church? Am I still a follower of Jesus Christ? Or am I following after just these guys who seem to just chop and change the standards as they please or as suits them or as, as, as is convenient for them to do or to live. May God forbid that we adopt such a, that, that we follow down such a, such a path or follow that route here at Ecclesia. And may God forbid that that be the pattern in the church. But I think you, you will agree with me when you look at the media today, you will find that it seems that horse has already bolted because of some of the things that go on in church today. Well, let's have a look at the passage um, and then we'll pray. <clears throat> in Titus chapter 1 from verse 5, following on from um, where we, we got to last week, Paul writes to Titus, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, listen now, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Let's pray. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Heavenly Father,
This is your word. It's not just the word of a few guys, Paul and Titus and his mates, but as we even read last week, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle, a special messenger of Jesus Christ, appointed for the faith of those who believe and for the hope of eternal life. Lord, this is no small thing, and we don't take it lightly. So, Father, I just pray, even as we look at these passages this, this afternoon, that you guide me, Lord. Let me speak your word. I don't want to speak my word or just fill in the gaps or just tell stories, because this is important for my soul as well as the souls of those who hear, whether here, present, or at any other time. Lord, I pray that you speak. I pray that I trust in the power of your word. I pray that I trust in you, because it is by your grace that we are able to meet these standards. It's by your power that we're able to stand for you. The, the words that we speak are yours and not ours. I pray, Father, that we all continually have this heart toward you and toward your word, elevating it as you have above your name. Lord, thank you. We ask this and we pray in Jesus' name. <coughs> Amen. So, as I mentioned in the, last, in the instruction last week, we've understood that Paul is a servant of God. He is a servant of God. Paul is a servant of God. God, just like that police officer in my exact illustration earlier on, is a servant of Her Majesty, the Queen, and her government. You wouldn't mess around with that police officer. You wouldn't mess around with him because you know the authority that he has even to carry out and uphold what's right or what's lawful. Likewise, Paul is a servant of God and speaks and writes these things in the authority that God's given to him. I think there is no comparison between God and the police officer. Talkless of, or God and the queen, talkless of God and, and the police officer. There is no comparison at all. Um, and not only is he a servant of God, but he's also an apostle or, or a special messenger of Jesus Christ. Jesus, who died for our sakes to save us. I'm immediately encouraged by that. Just thinking before we get into this and have this in your minds as the bedrock on which whatever Paul goes on to say or the standards he goes to set have this in your mind as the basis on which he gives all of these instructions. Or as the basis on which he gives Titus this mission. He's a servant or a, a, an apostle of Jesus Christ who died to save us. With such intentions in mind and with such, um, as, as one of my colleagues would, would say, with such higher ups above him, you can begin to get a sense of the, of, of, the, of the intention and the purpose and the authority and the care that goes with these instructions. They're not just Paul trying to be powerful or trying to tell Titus and the Cretans who's the boss or who's the daddy. It's therefore um, important that I just restate that, even though we, we, we touched on that last week. I, I find myself sometimes, when, when I get too used to the Bible, you quickly whiz past verses like Paul, and a servant of God, and a, or a bond servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. It just seems like he's just been poetic. No, this, this ain't Shakespeare. <laughs> this is the inspired word of God. And it's there for good reason. God doesn't talk waffle. God doesn't talk waffle at all. Though it's important to help us understand the gravity of the things we're about that we've just read 
and that we're going to look into some more. <coughs> we also understand the working relationship between Paul and Titus wasn't a strange one. Um, <coughs> because first off, we saw last week that the relationship is in Christ, where Paul addressed Titus as my true child in, in a common faith. So, <laughs> I was kind of amused last week when Pastor Ephraim said, he mentioned in some conversation talking about, oh, we can't even trust individuals with chairs, talkless of wanting to be trusted with other things, with greater things, people's lives, people's souls. So Titus is this one, is one of these kind of guys who Paul could trust with people. He trusted him before with people's money. I mean, churches in Corinth were raising offerings all over for famine and people in distress in Jerusalem. And Titus was one of the guys who went out there collecting and collecting these funds because he was trusted. So he also, I mean, Paul had also taken Titus, I, I discovered, to where it mattered when he went up to Jerusalem to check out his gospel and the message he'd been preaching, Titus was there with him. So this is a really, really close and special child. I thought this is a guy who can get things done. He definitely can get things done. And praise God, as I, as I think about this, I mean, my heart is kind of delighted that I know there are people here who can get things done. I don't want to mention names, but there are so many. I can, if I start, I mean, I'll probably take a, a good few minutes, but there are many people here who can get things done. If you want to get things done, just, hey, and there, it's done. I'm not speaking of myself, mind you. <laughs> so, Titus's mission, Titus's mission, I mean, this is the reason why I left you in Crete. So Paul left him there. But the ultimate goal was to maintain the purity of the church. Remember, this is a servant of Jesus Christ who's sending him to go out with this mission, on this mission with the church. It's to maintain the purity of the church. It's to maintain the purity of the church. Um, how, would, how would we... Okay, to maintain the purity of the church. And it's, and it's a twofold mission. One, one thing he was to do was to set in order what remains and also to appoint elders in every city. To set in order what remains and to appoint elders in every city. Note there, Paul also adds at the end of that, as I directed you. So, again... Just confirming, this is a guy who was going to get things done. Paul wasn't just saying that for, for fun. Paul just wasn't putting his foot down like, yeah, you need to do it the way I've told you to do it or else. No threats, no threats implied there. But the gravity of what needed to be done was um, so heavy for Paul to even add that. Now, <coughs> we'll see that the, the, the character that, um, re, that's required, that we've read, read about in, in, the, in our passage of church leaders is a pattern that Paul has laid down, not only for the church in Crete, but he's also done this in Ephesus. I mean, if you will turn, I haven't put a, sh a uh, shot on here, a, dis a keynote on here, but <coughs> I'll, just, I'll just read it. You don't have to turn there. Paul wrote to Timothy in... Um, to Timothy about this, even laying down this same pattern, laying down the same pattern of, of um, for people who decide to lead in the church, for people who decide to be involved in leading church, to be people of, be husbands of one, of, of be one woman, one woman men, so to speak, one woman men, to be people who were above reproach, to be people who were not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, and so on. 
And um, it's something he repeated for another church in Ephesus where uh, Timothy, another young believer, was um, pastoring. And he worked, and worked, at, worked as an elder with that church in Ephesus, as a missionary out there as well. So, <clears throat> something I noted here that Paul wrote to Timothy. He said concerning uh, Timothy, he says, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather, in speech, this is 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech... In conduct, in love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Now, what are these things that Paul is setting up here? First, he's kind of put them in this order. <clears throat> and I've highlighted there, appoint elders in every city. Now, it's easy for us to just go ahead and appoint elders. We can just say, right, who wants to be an elder? Who's interested? And I tell you from experience, and this is um, experience of an accounts of churches. I'm not talking about Ecclesia now. But an accounts of churches and how churches grow. In some cases... It may just be a case of people just simply being interested or believing in themselves. Yes, I can do this. What does it entail? I'll just pick up the Bible. I'll preach a sermon. Uh, get a handful of people. Let's take up some property or find a venue. We can start at my house. And there we go. Church in progress. But <clears throat> Paul specifies what these um, leaders ought to be like. Note something as well, if I just go back a step. Appoint elders in every city. Do you notice who's doing the appointing? Hello? You notice who's doing the appointing? Pardon? Titus is doing the appointing. Titus is doing the appointing. That's not to say that Yes, there, would, they, there, may ne there may never be a case of individuals wanting to, ex to have an interest or express an interest or desire to be involved in leadership in church and therefore wait till you're called. They can express an interest, but there's got to be some criteria by which you determine, right, who is suited for this? So, he gives Titus a person spec, <coughs> namely... If any man is above reproach. If any man is above reproach. Think about this for a second. Talking about reproach. Um, <coughs> in verses 6 and 7, this is in, if any man is above reproach. In verse 6 and 7, this same phrase is repeated. He must be above reproach. Now, this is a general statement. There are several areas in which Paul is looking at the, the um, person who aspires or wants to be or is involved in leadership. There are several areas. One, if you like, an area of general character. Two, an area of sexual morality. Three, in terms of their teaching skill and ability and <clears throat> also there are some general remarks at the end in their ability to um, actually handle and lead the church but talking about the, this general uh, character there there is nothing in this person's life for which he bears a reproach what is a reproach something which could come back to discredit or bring discredit or bring um, or damage the reputation of the church. If, you, if I may use another word, scandal. So is there anything, for example, is there any area 
in the life of the leader, in the life of the individual, for which indeed he should be laid hold of and accused, and accused justly. So, and this is time for, this is time for personal, conf this is time for confession. I'm going to, so oftentimes, <coughs> even up to recently, I used that phone analogy there. But some, there's, there's times when I'm driving and I'm with my wife in the car. She's like, come on now. You know, you, you, you don't, you, this is not right. You should not be doing this. Where I have the phone on hands-free and I may even be sending a beep, beep. <laughs> Yelly laughs. He knows what I'm talking about. Send the beep, beep while on ways where the law is construed in such a way that it is just so easy. You get done. Boom. Six points. And you've committed an offense. You're done right there. Well, I don't know how, how severe or how much that, that, that sort of thing would affect you as individuals. But if it comes to the point where we get, it may be something so little as that, where we determine, right, guys, we're going for a retreat as men, and we're driving all the way to, um, where is that retreat? Cambridge. Cambridge. Ah, Bertram, you can drive. Ah, sorry, guys, no, I can't. Why? What happened? Man, I, I was, was using my phone while, I, while driving. You may not say anything to me. But you go away thinking, hmm. I wonder what kind of church this is where these guys, could just, <laughs> where these guys just can't keep their hands off the phone in the car. Gosh. Despite the campaign, that one minute where you took your eye away from the road, that one pedestrian, that one family, and, you know, the ads just carrying on every day. So stop. Don't bring reproach to the Lord. No area of his life has needed any scandalous sin. In fact, and I borrowed this from um, Pastor John MacArthur, says there is no ongoing sin in any area of his life that is not being continually dealt with before the Lord and has not brought any reproach upon him or the name of Christ. You know, it can be anything. It can be anything, especially in this day where you hear all kinds of kickback against the church for what? The flamboyant lifestyle of men of God who want the less fortunate to really finance that flamboyant and excessive lifestyle? Hey, come on now, think about the Lord who you serve. That's the challenge for the leader. You see how I'm beating myself up here? <laughs> well, there, um, he lays a challenge he must be above reproach. And the husband of one wife. Time will, time will fail me really to go through each and every of these characters or characteristics of, that, that are required of pastors and church leaders. But the husband of one wife, as I tried to say, I remind myself earlier on, he's a one a woman, man. I remember this experiment I heard about on, um, I think it was on Focus on the Family, where um, some young girls were being asked about dating and relationships and how they felt about dating and relationships. And this was out of marriage. I think the point, the point, the, the, point the speaker was trying to get across was that, look, you can't be in a relationship or you're better in a relationship where you are committed to getting and being and staying 
married rather than one where it is just loose and nothing particular going on. He hasn't said what he really wants and stuff, that kind of a thing. So the, the question was put to these girls. <clears throat> what would you think if, just close your eyes and imagine this guy, he's standing in front of you, the person you really like and you're interested in, and he's in front of you, and he's about to say something nice to you, and their faces all lit up, smiles, glowing. Said, now imagine, just before he does, gets to you, he turns and goes to somebody else and actually kisses them on the cheek. Oh, how could he? Why would he do that? You know, what, what, what kind of a person is that? What kind of a g- infuriation? The point is, this man is a one-woman man. Does this say he is necessarily somebody who's married? It doesn't say, well, he says here in this version, the husband of one wife. But in the, in the original language, it talks about him being a one-woman man. One woman man. He stays committed to that one woman. He's devoted to her. He may be somebody he's even thinking about getting married to. And he is devoted to her. Can I hear an amen, devil? (laughs) You know what that was like, right? (laughs) Even though you were not married to him. But the anticipation that, yes, this guy is committed to me. He's devoted himself to me. That's something for the guys to take note. Especially those of you who are not married. Take note, that applies. I mean, there's a random application there. All right, but he's a one-woman man. And in terms of his family life, that was it. His family, family leadership. <coughs> he has children who believe. Um, now, I struggled with this. I make a confession here. I struggled with this and I thought, hmm, does this mean, wow, all his children are believers? All his children come to be Christians? I mean, when they, come, when they get to church, they all walk in in file, you know, and they're all behind him. Does, what, what happens when you get to the point where And we, some of us do have adult children. They get to the point where, yes, you have done everything to declare. You've, you've not shied away from telling the gospel. You've not shied away from declaring the truth of the gospel. You've not shied away from declaring the, the gospel that saves. But the individual makes a decision. Well, Good for you. That's not for me. But I tell you what, now you can begin to see some of the challenge and the difficulty in preaching something like this. Do I lower the standard? No. I still pray and hope earnestly that, hey, all of my children, I'm not saying this here to hot any of them up, I'm not saying this here to just make them nervous or make them make a false commitment to Christ. My earnest desire is that they will all come to faith in Jesus Christ. They will all have a sincere faith in Jesus Christ. I can't make anyone believe. You know from your experience, you may have had parents who preached at you till you know, they were frothing at the mouth. You didn't do anything about it. You were like, all right, you finish. Finish, I'm out. You're going where you're going. You're doing your thing. They, 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 they probably weren't even the ones who, just, who ended up leading you as in they know the moment when you became a Christian and you said the sinner's prayer and all that. They probably weren't the ones. But at least they were instrumental. They kept sowing seeds. They kept planting seeds. 
they kept putting the word in there. Who knows, maybe when you were in a tight spot, you try to remember, what was that thing mom or dad said? <laughs> but yes, these are, these are people who are actually looking at and looking out for their family to be in Christ. And um, they're not accused of dissipation or rebellion. This comes back to general character. Paul kind of is, I've just grouped them in, that, in, that, in, the, in those categories, but they're not accused of dissipation. That is not given to um, excessive pleasure. Not given to excessive pleasure. So, um, what could be an example now? Overindulgence, for example, in drink. Overindulgence in food. Overindulgence in anything. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine you come to my house and every time you come, I'm in front of the screen with Xbox consoles every single time you come i'm right there there's work to be done the house is in a mess i'm right there you know the kids need picking up but i'm still there there's the sermon to preach on sunday i'm in front of the thing hey are you serious <laughs> you do you really mean this 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 commitment to God? Are you serious at all? That's the question you'd ask me, at least. I hope you would. You know, do you have any leaders like that? I don't quite know everyone here, you know, and I, um, I, I hope I get to, that's a bit ambitious, isn't it? <laughs> I hope I get to know everyone here. And especially if you are committed here as, as a member of Ecclesia. But um, you may have had other church experience or being part of other church family. And, but this is encouraging to know that this is God's standard. Not given to, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. That's another one. Or rebellion. You might remember this, um, and I'm going to read that in a second you might remember this in third john third john if you will you can have a look but third john chapter one and verse nine verses nine to eleven paul the guy who's writing titus here has had experience of <coughs> rebellion in his ministry with churches all right so he write, he, in, in 3 John chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, he wrote something to the church. And then he points out this guy. But Diotrephus, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. Here's the cool thing. Just before this verse, or a few verses before, he'd been commending the, the, the recipient of that letter. I'm glad to know your children are doing well. I'm glad to know... You know, you, you, you guys are doing well, growing in faith as well as in stature. And then he comes to verse 9 and he's complaining about Diotrephus. Who loves to be first among them. Can you imagine somebody who wants to be the guy who, who has the say in church? A church leader? Hello? But... <laughs> He does not accept what we say, despite the fact that this is an apostle or a servant of God, despite the fact that this is a, an apostle of Jesus Christ who died for Diotrephus. He doesn't want to hear Paul. He says, for this reason, if I come, I'm going to go Nigerian on you guys now. If I come, I will show this guy. I, I will, in fact, I will tell everybody what this guy is doing. I will call attention to his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words. And not satisfied with this, he himself, guess what? He doesn't even receive the brethren, 
that's the people who Paul sends to help the church. Like somebody like Titus going to Crete. He gets to Crete. Imagine a Diotrephus there. What do you want? Yes, what do you want? We're closed. Out. We haven't Bible study yet. Are you a member of this church? Stay outside. When we finish, you can come and see me in my office. You get that kind of thing. But he's sent by an apostle of Jesus Christ. But Diotrephus doesn't want to have anything to do with it. He wants to run the church himself. That's scary. That's a scary leader to be under. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be there. In fact, um, Paul goes on to say in verse 11 of First John, um, 3 John chapter 1, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. Did you hear that? The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil, guess what he says? Has not seen God. So, I pray, I honestly pray, um, not that I have any evil intentions in my heart. I, I don't intend to take charge of wrong things here, like Diotrephus, or be rebellious in this manner. But um, I encourage you guys, please. Pray for us. Do you pray for us? Please, let, let me just ask. I'm, I'm, it's not a challenge or I'm not trying to, you know, do you pray for us? Do you assume that, yeah, these guys are always, they're always on it, you know? And so they don't need prayers. They don't need the grace of God either. They're perfect. In fact, on Sunday, I, I can't just wait to see Pastor E up front. Hmm. He's always there like that. We're challenged. We're challenged. These standards are high. And only by the grace of God can we attain onto them. Um, so, guess what? Appoint elders. Who are these elders anyway? I think you've, you, you, you get the point by now. But I'll tell you the truth. I don't know why I included this. But in the Old Testament, you will see, if you've read through your Bible, that there were elders. So, for example, there were people who served in positions of authority and honor. There were, for example, in Deuteronomy 19.12, leaders of a city. Um, judges in Deuteronomy 21.2. They were witnesses of legal transactions. Remember when Boaz came up to make the deal about Ruth? And he went to the city gate. There were elders of the city there. And they witnessed, okay, you've, you've given up your rights to redeem this, this woman and her family and the wives of the sons who passed away. Those guys who were witnessing it all there were elders. Now, but there are also elders. Um, okay, that's just one of those passages where the elders of, of a city send and take the person who's running from being um, punished for manslaughter and, <coughs> excuse me, they give him to, they, they hand the person over. That's one of the things that elders did. But in the New Testament, these elders, or the word that we get um, our word elders from is a Greek word called presbyteros, from where we get our English word presbyter. You've probably heard of Presbyterian churches or presbytery and so on. But the word is just a principal title for church leaders. And it's the same word that was used of elders when they translated the Old Testament to in, in, from, from Hebrew into Greek, same words, same meaning. <clears throat> so, um, we've said he need not be, he should not be accused of dissipation. That's a excessive 
getting involved in, in excesses, not be accused of rebellion. And then, again, for emphasis, Paul adds he must be above reproach. Look at what I have highlighted there. That's God's steward. He is God's steward. He doesn't hold the fort for himself. He doesn't hold the fort to look good and, and get you know, everybody's thumbs up. Um, elders, even great servants of God like the prophets of old, Samuel. Remember that guy had challenges with his children who were serving as priests? And the, and the congregation of Israel came unto him. Samuel, man, you need to get us new leaders. These are your children. They're just messing up. They're not measuring up at all. And they went to Samuel. Samuel, come on. Get with the program. Samuel went to God. God, look what these people are saying to me. And God tells Samuel what? It's not you they're giving the thumbs down to. It's me that these people are giving the thumbs down to. They actually want to be like the other nations. <clears throat> so, all that to say, the overseer is God's servant. He's not there for himself. And he must not be self-willed. We're not doing this thing for ourselves. We are not doing these things for ourselves. Um, <clears throat> and he must not be quick-tempered. Check that out. That's the idea of having a temper that bursts forth periodically. Can you imagine popping up to me at the end of a service? And, Bertram, excuse me. <sighs> What's the matter with you now? Can't you see I'm talking? Get out of here. Exactly. You, you'd be shocked. I know you're laughing to take the edge off it. <laughs> but you would be shocked out of, your sh out of your socks. Like, what? Did he just say that? It would not be acceptable. In fact, there'd be complaints. <laughs> and there better be. And there better be because that's not on. Look. If I snap at you, Bertram, it is written. <laughs> the overseer must not be quick-tempered. Perhaps that will bring me back to my <laughs> senses. I can see my family taking note. <laughs> and it matters, even for them. Amen? It matters. I can't be one person here as something else at home. Exactly. I cannot be. Grace. Grace. <laughs> Grace. Not addicted to wine. Not addicted to wine. I think that is straightforward. <clears throat> I think that's straightforward because the idea here is I come to church. It doesn't matter where I'm at, actually. But anything that actually just means I'm not providing clear-headed leadership. I mean, there was an incident recently, and I won't mention any names or anything, but went somewhere to get in touch with a leadership at a facility. And I was introduced to this chap who was just slobbering his words. Yeah, 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 blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, you cannot be, I'm thinking to myself, you can't be in charge here. This guy is it's like, you just come out of a, you know, out of a barrel of, of scotch or something. <laughs> come on. That's, that's not on. For the leader. Um, so he's not given to wine. Um, he's not addicted to wine. He's not pugnacious. I saw that thing and I thought, what is that about? There is. He's eager or quick to quarrel, argue, or fight. If we don't agree on a, on a, on a, on a 
biblical doctrine. Is that, is that right? Come outside. <laughs> is that, is, you, you, you think so? Eh, okay. <coughs> it's funny. It's funny because um, I moderate a, a um, I, actually I was lumbered with moderating a Muslim Christian dialogue group on WhatsApp. So you have some Muslim would t throw a question and then the Christians would be like, oh, see the foolishness of Islam. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, come on, son, you, you could do better. You're, you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Hello. What's all that about? How could you? And then you see like 200, 200, 200, what do you call them? What do you call those things? Eh? 200 notifications on the same group and you think, okay, maybe they've been talking sensible stuff. But it's like, no, you're mad. You're an idiot. You, 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 these people, you're blind. You don't have sense. How can you believe in a God who does poo-poo? And I'm like, hello? This is not a fight. You're, talk, you're, trying to, you're, trying to, you're trying to preach the gospel here. Hey, come on. So can you imagine taking that, that? Can you imagine that being the kind of stuff that comes from your leaders? I think you'd be out of the door sooner than, than, than to wait for it to reach, that, to reach that limit. So it's not pugnacious. It's not quick to, you know, to get into an argument or a fight. It doesn't want to do that. All right? And then <clears throat> um, he's not fond of sordid gain. I think that's pretty straightforward. All right? <clears throat> and then here are some things he must be. We've talked about the ones he mustn't be. Some things he must be. Hospitable. <coughs> Hospitable. What's the deal here in the UK? I don't, I don't understand this thing. Forgive me, I'm going to go Nigerian on you, right? See, yeah. <laughs> if we were in Nigeria, okay? Listen, I'm coming to your house. I will knock on the door. Okay, to let, let me not give, let me not make it an, an extreme impression as if we're all crazy and disrespectful of, of people's privacy there. But when I turn up, listen, at least I'm getting a drink of water. At least, least, barest minimum, or some juice, or if nothing, if you have to rush out. In some cases, you give me. You give me something to take away. <laughs> that is, that is, that is, that is hospitality. <laughs> it is expected. Maybe that is customary. All right. So I'm not going to try and start teaching traditions of men for doctrine here, but that's me culturally. All right. It's standard. If there's nothing in the house, and I'm staying long. You're sending somebody to go and buy takeaway to, <laughs> to, to bring back. <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I exaggerating, Nigerians in the house? <laughs> Mommy, sir, a lie? Standard, isn't it? <laughs> can, we, can, we <laughs> can we do that? <laughs> he loves what is good. He loves what is good. <clears throat> he's sensible. Um, he's just. He's devout. Hmm. I'm challenged in this respect. He's devout. Um, so, one year like that, we decided let's read through the Bible. And listen, I got all the encouragement because we were reading together. That's my wife and I. But after that, try and read through the Bible. Whew, I would get to a, a, a book and just get stuck in there and stay there long. But hopefully this is, the, this is something we, I mean, we, we, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. We need to. Uh, remain committed to, to the Lord, remain committed to in His Word, stay there long in His presence. Um, 
and stay there indeed, just like waiting to hear what the Lord has to say. Because I, I'm not going to pretend to you, trying to lead a church is not, it's, it's no small feat. It's no joke. It looks glamorous out there in some popular, popular, popular Christianity or popular church leadership. It looks great. It looks fantastic. It looks like there's lots of trimmings and trappings that come with it. But when you come down to dealing with life and life issues, things that people bring to God and you are there or should I say meant to be there to lead, to guide, to give counsel, to give direction. You are praying on your feet. God, help me. What do I say? What do I pray? How do I lead this individual? This is your child, but you've granted that they come to me. <clears throat> you have to trust the Lord and stay committed to him. Here's self-control. This is another, issue, another general character issue. So, <laughs> nothing else controls him. It's not, uh, I mean, he's not moved by, I mean, uh, some, of, some of these things really overlap each other. So that where he talks about being, not being given to wine, him being uh, above reproach, well, all these things really overlap each other and, and, and are of a general nature where it comes to his character. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So just for a minute ago, we're talking about him not being pugnacious, not just ready to just, you know, get his fists out and sort issues out. Somebody who is self-controlled would not <laughs> be resorting to that. All right. Now, Coming back to um, verse 9 now. And remember I said the mission was twofold. And he asked him to set in order what remains and to appoint elders in every city in the church. We've had a look at what the characteristics or the character of these leaders are like. But here... From that introduction we got last week, I don't know, how many of you were not here last week? If you were here last week? Okay. From that introduction we got last week about Crete and the island and the, and the culture there, you would see that um, <coughs> obviously the occasion for the letter is what we've just gone over. There is need for new heads. There is need for good spiritual gospel-centered, gospel-driven leadership in the church. Not, as we'll see next week, guys who are just used to lying, letting falsehood go, letting um, the, the kinds of things that Paul has negated here or has said should not be of the leader, is let, they've let those things be the norm. So, there is a work of recovering and bringing things back and placing proper order to what remains in the church. Hence, Paul saying, I left, the reason I left you in Crete was to put what remained in order and appoint elders in, in every town. <clears throat> so in order to bring order or to restore order in, 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 the, in the place, there need to be these leaders who can Hold fast the faithful word. Hold fast the true word, the true gospel of um, God, which is, according, which is in accordance with the teaching. So the gospel has been preached to the, to the Cretans. <clears throat> they know that they have their salvation and their faith, uh, their, their salvation through Jesus Christ, of whom Paul is a messenger of whom Paul is a servant, a special servant sent out by Christ to reach, to reach to them. They know their salvation rests on nothing less than the shed blood of Jesus Christ, 
we can safely assume this because um, in the Acts of the Apostles, where we see Paul going on his journeys, he's constantly preaching, preaching the message of the, 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 the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his blood shed for forgiveness of sin, and him being raised to life to give these people the assurance that they have forgiveness and, et and eternal life with God. This is what they need to preach. This is what whoever's leading there needs to declare. Um, in contrast to what Cretans are used to. Zeus, a seducing, lying God. If you're in a culture where seduction and lying goes, and I don't think that is too far from where we are. Hello? It's not too far from where we are. I mean, I, I, I often, um, sometimes I, I just at home sit down. I can't remember the last time, and this is not, this is not a boast, okay? But I can't remember the last time I watched EastEnders. Because from week to week, or maybe you miss a few weeks and you think you're watching an entirely different thing, maybe because the families have changed, or one person is now rocking up with another, you know, and you're like, are these people serious? You know, but here's, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Whilst um, we may not actively participate in that kind or in that manner of um, life, Listen, as leaders, or as church leaders, and even as, in, as believers as well, guess what the culture teaches us through those things? Hello? They teach us about immorality. They teach us about adultery. They teach us about relationships outside sexual infidelity. They teach us all those things through their arts, through their music. Don't look at me as some kind of a nerd now <laughs> this guy doesn't listen to but that is just the truth so that the leader is holding firmly to the faithful word he's not holding it loosely he's not holding it like yeah i've got the i've got the i've got the app or i've got the bible leave it to one side let's do my, let's do life and then sunday let's pick it up let's go to church He's holding firmly to the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching. Do you know that we all live under the government of Christ? Do you know that we all live under God's rule? Is that a surprise to anyone? I hope not. Because that's our God, and Christ is our King, our Savior. He's the one whose rule we are under. And even everyone else in all creation, they're under God's rule, under God's authority. That is the reality. So holding fast to these things, we'll remember that. And why is that important? So that the leader will be able to both instruct others in sound doctrine He'll be able to instruct others in sound doctrine. You know, there's so much to say, but little time to say it. I've already got my hand signal, so <clears throat> we'll talk about it in community group. <laughs> Amen. But he must be able to instruct in sound doctrine. Trick question, okay, silly question, or basic kindergarten question. How many wise men are there in the Bible? Okay, I gave it away. I said trick question. Ah, oh, come on. Nobody wanted to go for that. All right. But we don't know. Yeah, we don't. We know they gave three kinds of gifts. Simple. All right. But popular doctrine says there were three. 
Is it doctrine? Does it matter? Mm, not really. Um, <coughs> but if somebody comes and puts a gun to your head and says that's important, it's all important, it's crucial that you know how many there were. Really? How would you be able to refute that? If you don't hold fast to what's sound teaching, sound doctrine. So, um, all that said, really, looking in here, um, there is a challenge for us as leaders. And I would really ask that you pray for us. I would really ask as well that you carefully consider um, that you carefully consider where it is you I'm not about to do a plug now am I carefully consider where it is you associate yourself with in terms of the church I'm not plugging Ecclesia here uh, let me just say that clear but <laughs> wife says why not <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> but you have there criteria to assess where it is you have fellowship, whether it is you are actually having fellowship with Christ, with his stewards or servant leaders, giving care, giving attention, and measuring up to his standard. Just like you wouldn't expect to see a copper on the phone driving with the blue lights. <laughs> Just like you wouldn't expect. <laughs> you wouldn't expect. But it's instructive and it's important for us to know these things and to bear in mind. I mean, you may be coming from a place where, oh, you just say something wrong and your leader has given you one across the face. You know, the five-fold ministry. <laughs> you may be coming from, you may be experiencing different kinds of hurts from leadership that hasn't measured up. I tell you what, um, there is a duty for all of us to really pray and seek God's grace to lead us um, <clears throat> because it is God who appoints. We may be standing here just because, hey, all right, we need somebody to preach. And the grace of God or the appointment is not really on the life of the individual. And it will be clear for everyone to see. But we pray and ask that you pray for us because God is the one who ordains leaders who are tested, who measure up, who will typify the Lord. You will see in them Christ and who will be able to teach sound doctrine and also both in word and in deed, sound doctrine that transforms lives. Amen. Let's pray. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.